go exploring, trust your instinct, because that's where you're going to find freedom. That's where you're going to find hopefully success. And, and what's going to happen regardless is that you are going to be true to who you are and share your gifts with the world. Like all of our gifts together is, is where it's at. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 67 of Life in Motion. I've got Shelly Farnan on the line with me from Burel Behavioral Health in Springfield, Missouri to talk about a community wellness program she started called Be Well. They're helping others understand the benefits of self-care, mindfulness, connection, and most importantly, hope. I'm excited to learn more about how this program is, is uh, benefiting others. Uh, but Shelly, thank you for being on the show today. Hey, Jeremy, thank you for having me. Yes, yes, I'm excited. I know, you know, we, we've met um, in uh, past uh, scenarios and I've, I, I know a little bit about you, but I don't know that much about you. So before we kind of jump into um, the Be Well community and what that's all about and kind of impact you're making, let's kind of set the stage of, of who you are, you know, uh, where you're from, where you grew up, different hobbies, sort of how did you get into this, this journey and this path that, you know, you find yourself in today? I love this question. And on one hand, I often in my head, I, I hear like, oh, I'm so boring. Why do we start with this? And on the other hand, like everything that Be Well is, as, as I reflect back, is, is all about who I am as a human as well. So, so here we go. Most importantly, I am a mama to three amazing little beautiful humans who completely make our world go round. I, my wife and I have been together for 16 years and uh, she's a better human than even I am. So I think that a uh, big shout out to, to Jennifer there for for just um, also helping our world go around. So I grew up in Ravenwood, Missouri. It's a very rural town in Northwest Missouri, a town of about 400 people. Wow, yeah. My, yeah, my, my dad um, lives on the family farm and has farmed for many years, also retired from factory work. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom for many, many years. So that was kind of her, she is the best mom ever. So we were raised in a very rural town, um, went to Northwest Missouri, state in Maryville, Missouri, and started finding this really cool and necessary balance for me as a human. So I started working at a peony farm um, and also worked through, through, so I worked through undergrad on this peony farm part-time and also worked part-time at an inpatient mental health unit. And so really from there, I mean, of course I was raised around the farm. Nature has, was just always the space that I, I went to as a, as a little person. And that's just, stuck with me throughout my whole life. That is part of my necessary wellness program. I don't think I knew that when I was little, but that's just who I was, um, who I was, who I have always been is, is going to nature. So then it was kind of in hindsight, kind of cool that I balanced work through undergrad, um, on this peony farm, which I still love trying to raise peonies in Southwest Missouri, which is kind of tricky and, and working in mental health still to this day. That's interesting. So I didn't realize that they actually had peony farms. Um, that was just, 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 just like dedicated, like that's the only thing or there were there other plants as well? 
So that was, that was their main, Don Hollingsworth is a major propagator in, in peony, in the peony world. So developed the first yellow peony, um, golden, golden treasure, which is now there's several yellow peonies. I'm kind of dating myself now. So he really specialized in, in developing new and different kinds of peonies, went around the world, uh, well, well known around the world. We shipped to across the world, their big peony peony expos and just things that you might I never, I never knew about uh so he did do some other things like we had quite a few iris on the farm but his his livelihood was based on the peonies yeah that's that's very interesting uh side note uh we have an alpaca named peony um so there's there's just that little tidbit um that's cool at, at our farm yeah so <laughs> Uh, but so, so going, so that's kind of an interesting mix as far as growing up. So I'm going to step back a little bit to, um, I guess more or less your childhood before you, you kind of went into the kind of that part of it was you said kind of grow up with nature kind of being a big part of your life. Now, was that, was that mainly part? And I grew up in a small town myself, not, not quite that small, but actually a small town in Virginia. But so was, was the nature and outdoors and kind of, you know, whatever those adventures looked like, was that more, of, you know, uh, your family encouraging you to get out and doing that way? Or was it also kind of a, you know, there's not a big arcade down the street, so we can't take you there. It's like, <laughs> Hey, here's the woods, go get lost. Please come back for dinner, you know, type of deal. Or, or what was that? that like, like uh, trees and nature. So like, it was, it was that of, uh, you know, in a small town, there's not fun to do. We had a river that, that, uh, ran uh, through the through the town and so you could we did a lot of fishing uh, my aunt and uncle lived on a big farm so we gardened and our families gardened together so we were raised really closely with our cousins on both sides uh, okay. both mom and dad's side so we had huge family gardens together uh, so it was kind of that's where we that's where I went for play I made everything out of sticks that I, I possibly could <laughs> and I was great at that but I made a lot of things my favorite thing was a bow and arrow oh, out, of, out of sticks um, and then also just that's kind of how our family spent time that's awesome and that and that that totally makes sense I was just always kind of always curious about that part so um, so you, you kind of grew up in a small town um, went went to school how did, I guess, where did the interest for you from kind of the, the mental health, behavioral health kind of subject, where, where did that come up? Especially, you know, maybe growing up in a small town where you're not necessarily um, exposed or, or and maybe you were, but, you know, exposed from a, from a school standpoint or whatnot, um, or, or even other facilities around there, maybe not being that small. Um, where did, where did that interest kind of come from? I love this question. Thank you. So so growing up, actually, my grandmother did have depression, and that was a part of, uh, as we think through how how our um, ancestors lived through us, like that was a big part of my mom's story with her mom growing up with depression, uh, and then naturally, I mean, uh, that just that just became a part of what I knew growing up. And I was really curious about that. I was, uh, loved my, my grandmother was a caretaker to my sisters and I. And so that was really always something that I was mindful of and curious of. Now, I don't think I was 
knew that that was my calling until undergraduate. And I remember this vividly. It was my abnormal psychology class. And it wasn't necessarily the class. It was the instructor who became my advisor, Dr. April Habreon. She had responded to natural disasters across the globe, and she brought that into her teaching. So it wasn't like we were just in class learning about uh, research and data. She actually brought the content to life from her actual lived experiences in responding to natural disasters and crises. So I think that was the moment of I was in her office very early on that semester asking her, like, telling her, expressing to her what I felt in my body as she was uh, educating and asking her for guidance of how can I understand more about the mental health field. And she was the one that recommended and put in a good word for me to, to begin working then at the, on the inpatient mental health unit there in rural Northwest Missouri. Interesting. And that's, and that's, that's cool how, it, um, and I'm, I'm kind of going down sort of a rabbit hole a little bit, that's but it, it's cool kind of hearing that perspective that you had from the instructor because there's so many, it seems like, you know, if you ask anybody, there's always kind of that one kind of pivotal person or pivotal experience um, that kind of changes kind of the whole trajectory of, of someone's life in, in that sense, you know, especially when it comes to teachers, which are sometimes un- underappreciated. So uh, it's, it's really yeah. cool to hear that that connection was made in a different way that was sort of outside of the classroom in a unique way. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so she, she um, kind of got you into that other uh, program working there. So yep. w- what were you at this point, I guess you were still sort of studying that as well in school. And yes. then I guess that was um, kind of like a work, work study isn't the right word, I guess, because work studies right. more like, you know, but was it sort of a similar kind of situation with that where, you know, I, I guess, what, what was that? What was that day to day like, I guess, initially yeah. that kind of really, you know, you had that interest, but then yeah now you're getting the experience and obviously you appreciated that experience where you're still doing it today. So, yeah. So that was really my first, uh, grown up job I would say is, is working. Um, it was St. Francis hospital and now it's mosaic health system there in, in Maryville, Missouri, but I worked in the inpatient unit as a, at that point in time, I think we were called psychiatric technicians. So I was trained to answer our crisis line. I was trained to do intakes when folks walked into our doors after they had been assessed and determined, you know, a safety risk and needed to be on an inpatient unit. I was able to work alongside social workers and psychiatrists and psychologists and planning. I wasn't planning therapeutic groups at that point, but I was planning engagement activities on the unit. And, you know, Jeremy, the biggest thing was I remember uh, seeing, seeing a human for the first time. And I, and I don't know if this is going to come out right. So a human that was diagnosed with schizophrenia, but I actually saw the human. It was no longer just in the textbook, you're reading about schizophrenia. It was like, I really valued and respected the human that also was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And so I think that was definitely world changing for me of, you know, mental health isn't that scary. These are humans just like me. Uh, I'm as likely, you know, I, at any point in time, it could be a crisis that, that there is some mental health onset for me, maybe not schizophrenia, but maybe it's um, chronic depression, anxiety. So, so I think it was that moment of working, uh, it wasn't full-time because I was in school and working on the peony farm, but as I was working there and seeing the real humanity behind 
mental health or maybe in front of mental health, that was just life-changing for me. And from there, I, I wanted to do whatever I could to care and help support humans that had mental health illness without stigma, like no shame in mental health. Uh, you deserve care. And that that's kind of funny. That hasn't really changed, I guess, throughout, throughout time. Yeah. 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 And, and that's why it's really important to kind of break down that stigma that, um, which I'm sure we'll get, we'll get into later as well. So, and so I guess from there, after graduating all that, you eventually found yourself here in Springfield. Yes. Moved here in 2005 to didn't graduate school. I, I realized that the best thing I was, <laughs> I was able to do, my mom always laughed that I didn't really do great in school, but I really loved going to school because I love to socialize with others. <laughs> and so she, yeah laughed when I made the decision to go to graduate school because I told her, I'm like, mom, the only thing I'm good at is peopling. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I moved to Springfield in 2005 to attend graduate school, got my master's and doctorate here, um, and then entered, you know, I did my internship in Springfield and community mental health, uh, moved on to my postdoc in NICSA in private practice. And then I was like, I'm going to open my own gig. So I opened my private practice on Water Street here in, in Springfield and loved it. I especially specialized in, in serving and advocating on behalf of the LGBTQIA plus community, really, really um, found my footing in inclusion and wellness around that time as well. And I also, at that time, when you're in private practice, you kind of do a little bit of everything to make it, <laughs> make it go, you know, and uh, I served in six skilled care facilities. So serving the um, elderly population, aging population, as well as folks that had been in traumatic accidents of some sort and uh, rehabilitation, and they were rehabilitating in those systems. Interesting. And, and that, yeah, I mean, kind of all those different pieces coming together, you know, seems kind of, I mean, uh, <laughs> seems, seems a lot and very impactful at the same time, kind of the different, the different communities, different ages, different kind of how that kind of all molds and, and fits together. Um, so, so from there, um, you know, you, you kind of did the practice, you're, yep. you know, helping others and whatnot. And then, so kind of jumping forward a little bit to, um, I guess, present day, if you will. So how did you end up getting involved in, um, Burrell, um, and, yeah. and kind of, you know, where, where did that kind of, where did that kind of start? How did that begin? And, and I guess, you know, as a, as a general sense too, since, um, what exactly is, is the behavioral health center here? Sure. Obviously it's sort of says it in the name, but you know, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's a great question. So I had, I had actually started working for the department of mental health, had an opportunity to move home to start our family. When I was many months pregnant with our youngest, our twins, uh, I received a call from the new leadership of, of Burl. So CJ Davis, Adam, uh, Angela King was the one that actually called me the day after Christmas and said, Shelly, we think we have a position that, that you will, you will want to know about, and we'd love for you to at least interview for. And I kind of chuckled because I wasn't, I was thinking I wasn't going to move my three babies back down to <laughs> the Springfield after just moving. And sure enough, it was uh, it was their first position in diversity and inclusion. So I interviewed, um, and then and then arrived. And so the history of Burl is that uh, Dr. Todd Scheibel was the the founder. It is approximately forty five years old, serving in in Southwest Missouri, and then that was the the original location serving behavioral health needs in Southwest Missouri, and then extending into Central Region. 
of, of Missouri and now into Arkansas. So we are the Community Behavioral Health Center, one of the largest in the nation, offering all of the traditional therapies that you can imagine, and now also moving, uh, moving our system into our communities in new and different ways through, through, through Be Well community, and now also offering a solid uh, response for community uh, community holistic wellness and specifically as I talk about it Jeremy it's like I view us as expanding the Burl's continuum of health into prevention spaces and that's where I see Burl uh, the be well community fitting into Burl behavioral health's continuum of care interesting so um, I'm, I'm gonna jump back to when you first kind of had the interview or got involved with them you said uh, for diversity and inclusion now was that in a sense of who they were hiring or who they were working with, like an underserved community. Yes, diversity and inclusion. Thank goodness for C.J. Davis having the the um, the vision and the, the the awareness that that was a critical position to offer in our behavioral health organization. That's kind of it's kind of a. Um, it's a hot topic right now. I'm thankful that CJ had that, that vision in, in 2018. And the reason being is best practices in, in any healthcare is that you are thoroughly assessing your employment and you're thoroughly assessing your service lines. So you're truly, it's, it's necessary to have a diversity, equity, and inclusion um, embedded within your strategic plan to make sure you're creating a culture in which you are welcoming the best of the best employees to serve the entire community that you are honored to serve. So it was certainly to, to make sure that we were fully assessing our system through policies and practices, hiring practices, recruiting, retention gaps, uh, and then into the actual service pr provision of are we offering things in languages that are needed? Are we welcoming all historically marginalized populations? Who are we serving? Who are we not serving? And why is that? So, I mean, I could go, go on and on about that, but I'm thankful that CJ knew that as a leading behavioral health center, this it, it is just, uh, there's, it's non-negotiable to, to have diversity, equity, and inclusion embedded. Yeah. And that, and that's awesome. That's, and it's, and it's, um, cool too, kind of hearing that there's sort of, you were working sort of, uh, uh, both sides of the coin per se, you know, the internal and then the external efforts to kind of bring, make sure that those two were meshing together, you know, in the, in the best possible way that they could. So, um, so the, yeah, that's awesome. So, so then kind of going into, um, you know, obviously there's some, some, some big projects coming up and different initiatives and that stuff with, with that being kind of the be well community, um, and if I'm not mistaken from when I first, um, you know, I've, I've, I kind of met you and heard you speak and whatnot, that sort of spun out of the unfortunate case of COVID or, or am I mistaken there? No, it sure or, did. So, so let's go ahead and, and kind of share that whole story of, of kind of, of, of the Be Well community, kind of how it started um, and kind of what, what the whole idea behind it is. Yes, when COVID, we in you know we COVID had began across the the globe, and we knew we weren't quite certain here in in Missouri and and Arkansas, but this is what our leadership team did know is that we were gearing up for for a lot of unknowns, and so our executive leadership team reached out and said we need something developed that can support our borough team 
And so a team of us, uh, many licensed providers, and then our marketing and communication team sat down for the next four, four days and built what is now known as the Be Well community. And so that following, that following week after being asked, we launched the Be Well community for our internal team as an internal wellness program, as well as launched that externally for the community at large, which has kind of grown from coast to coast here. Uh, but we, we launched that externally on Facebook Live as well. We figured if we could do this internal why not make it available externally? That, that makes sense. So now what, what were the, the main differences, I guess, of, of uh, I guess, offerings in, in the case there? Um, not really. Was there not much or was it just kind of more of how you're reaching people? Because obviously there's limitations with the restrictions and, and whatnot. Sure. All of it was virtual. We use Zoom internally and then externally we use Zoom and Facebook. So if folks wanted to hop on Zoom, we did that. The main reason we maintained the, the distinction there is we wanted to offer, it, it's, it's about the relationship and it's about the connection. We wanted our, and we still do, we want our borough team to have safe, sacred space that that they, they don't have to worry about uh, the community at large, especially when you are serving the community, you want to make sure that you're offering some space. So the content was the same. Uh, the space was unique. That way we were holding space for our borough team, as well as then making this available to the community. Okay. Okay. So that, so that makes sense. So, so where um, the, the main team is more so focused on more, I don't want to say, uh, niche but sort of a smaller audience and you're kind of casting a wider net almost with kind of the virtual yeah yeah realm, realm of things and then so um uh so so i guess what kind of what are the different kind of programs that you've you've offered i know they've obviously changed over the past year year and a <laughs> half or whatnot since you know restrictions have lifted and come and gone and, and that kind of thing but what i guess is are those overall different different programs yeah. as far as individuals working with different businesses other yeah. organizations and so forth. So here's the cool thing with the content. We keep it as simple as possible. We've rooted it in the brain science and the two main pillars for our brain, for ourselves to thrive is that we feel safe and, and in healthy connection. So we try to root all of our practices right there in that brain science. And then from there, sky's the limit. So we made the decision early that self-care is, and this is, this is the definition we go with. Self-care is whatever helps us to arrive as our best selves. And that's so unique unique to everyone. So yeah. we've put out all an expectation that we bring everything that we can possibly think of. And hopefully so many things that we haven't thought of to life for, for content. And then what we started noticing is that the more that we did that, we welcomed folks in, we had a colleague, uh, do gardening therapy. So she was actually in her home garden during the be well segment. We've had folks do we've, my favorite segment was done from my camper in July of last year, <laughs> we did a healing in nature segment. Uh, so really like the content, we have 75 weeks worth of content from yoga, office yoga, chair yoga, um, to healing in nature. Uh, the big topics that have been requested recently are grief and grieving, prolonged pandemic. Uh, we've talked through uh, one of the most meaningful segments. We had at least 400 colleagues on the line during this call is directly following the murder of George Floyd. So it was rooted in inclusion. The Be Well community is rooted in inclusion. I can't separate uh, inclusion from wellness. It just doesn't make sense after understanding the brain science. So, yeah. so 
content really runs the gamut. And then what we noticed was happening is that these private organizations started reaching out of, hey, like you're offering this public venue. We want to offer something like Burl is offering to your team. Can you come do this for our team at said business? And so they're, they're launched the, the Be Well for Business line out of the Be Well initiatives. I think I'm talking a lot. I'll, I'll pause here for just a minute. No, just no, my- no. You're fine. <laughs> um, no, that that's interesting how how it kind of um, kind of spawned from that one idea. So, and you mentioned you know um, the lady gardening and you camping and that kind of stuff and yoga and all this other stuff. So, it's kind of the idea behind that is to to kind of talk about these different things, whether it's uh, grief or depression or, or whatever that 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 health topic is, and then kind of incorporate a different activity with it kind of yes yes in a way to make it I guess icebreaker is the best way to put that maybe but just kind of make yeah. people more comfortable that might not be as comfortable as sharing or listening even wait this is kind of a lofty goal but and probably sounds a little silly but really what I hope to do is to make mental health wellness really cool so it can be sustainable and I want that to be as a uh, is not complicated as possible. So yeah, when I want, I want folks to arrive to the Be Well community and be able to be building a plan for their mental health wellness, just like we have a plan of if a tornado hits, if an earthquake happens, if, if we have, you know, if I break my ankle, everyone knows where to take me. If I have a mental health crisis or my emotions overwhelm me to a place of, I can't function, no one would have the least, I mean, for me, they would, but I mean, I want us to all ask that if we have that mental health crisis, do our people know just as quickly how to, to help us seek help and care as if uh, we had a chronic illness or an, an, a physical injury. So my hope is, is that we can be cool, relatable, make this like, I have been thankful that for me, mental, the mental health conversation hasn't been scary. And I know it is for a lot of us. And if that's been a gift that I've been offered in my life, I want to share that and making it like, this is okay to talk about. And, and I think I'm surrounded by a team that, that has that, that same gift too, in a community and communities that really want that. And so if that's what, if that's what we can do and all the while we can be saying, okay, you are feeling for one year now able to stop and self-assess. Now you've understood like, this is how you're feeling in this moment. What are those opportunities that you have? Is it nature for you? Because I know it's nature for me and it's not going to be for everyone, but what is your thing that's going to help you feel less distressed? It's not going to be, we're not going to feel perfect all the time and we shouldn't ever expect that. But what are those tools that are going to help us move into a better space to make the next best decisions towards health and wellness? Yeah, that's great. So, so with that, I mean, and I, and I love the the analogy you put there with like, you know, spraining an ankle or breaking an ankle or, or anything like that. That's very obviously apparent. Hey, this happened. I need to do this, Yeah. but kind of as, as you've been, um, you know, kind of expanding and, um, introducing your, yourself into the community kind of with this, uh, initiative in sort of a different way than in the past, you know, I mean, there's the big, you know, obviously, uh, it seems like in the news and stuff kind of, you know, mental health and wellness and kind of stuff is, is sort of kind of, um, uh, I'm thinking of like terrible, like gain traction really isn't the right word, but yeah. I guess people are kind of becoming more uh, willing yeah. to talk about it, I guess, should, but there's still kind of that, oh no, you know, I'm, you know, if you see some, you know, Jack guy at the gym, 
he, you know, he thinks he's stronger than everybody else and kind of has that kind of mindset and kind of, and I'm speaking, I, that was just a random example, but even myself, you know, sometimes, you know, you think like, no, no, I'm okay. You know, I, it's, it's all fine, <laughs> but really you're not, you're, you're almost afraid to admit yourself, admit to yourself that yeah. it's, that something might be going on that you might need to talk about or whatnot. So I guess right. with knowing that, and I'm sure you experienced that, what is kind of that, I guess, what, what hurdles for you when it comes to working with individuals or businesses, do you have to kind of jump over to kind of, you know, break down that initial wall, wall to, you know, allow them to open up and share and really understand that, Hey, you know, you, you might have this going on, but it's okay. Like let, let, let's, let's figure it out. Let's like you said, let's know how to kind of express those motions, whether it's gardening or nature or playing basketball or whatever it is, right. you know, what are, what are those different, those different challenges to kind of break down and, and what is, what I guess have you seen the most uh, effectful or yeah. uh, a way to do that? So I think the biggest hurdle so far is just um, it, theoretically speaking, like getting in the door, making, uh, and that's not necessarily my hurdle or our hurdle, but making sure that folks are invested and that's it, invested in mental health. When we have those first meetings, Jeremy, I, this is the approach and this isn't like rocket science. The approach is, this is a hard time. You have a brain, which means you have mental health. And what we know statistically across the globe right now is that we're all struggling. Like this, the data doesn't lie. Uh, the realities, they don't lie. So, so it's like enough of like the normalizing to where the leaders that have brought us in to support their teams go camera off and say, oh, I thought I brought you here to talk to my team. I didn't realize I haven't even stopped to take care of myself in the past however many weeks at that point. To the point of recently, we had a leading CEO request. He, he just said, this is amazing. And he said, might I offer you a recommendation? This needs to be done. Uh, you need to offer something for for executive leaders that don't feel okay, like burdening their teams. So the, the demand is, as you said, across the nation, mental health is trending, I guess. And, and I would never say like, that's a perk of COVID, but thankfully we're talking about mental health right now. Yeah. And that's also causing, that's also causing us to rethink, okay, we didn't used to talk about mental health at work, but how do we not talk about mental health now? Uh, because our employees are navigating so many things and we're noticing that in our outcomes, we've got to do something. And uh, so I, I guess right there, the other, the other thing that kind of comes to mind as we're talking about that is because we're all talking about it, it's really creating a concern with access. So the ability to get into care quickly is, is of concern. And so for us, the BWAL community is going to be one of many options for when we do have to get into those traditional therapies, the BWAL community can be right there to fill in, to offer support and connection, and to offer preventative measures, self-regulatory skills until we can get into those traditional therapies. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think that totally, that totally makes sense. And it's, it's, um, I, I want, I, you know, I guess it is cool because it's still people opening up. It's, it's cool kind of hearing that, that, that example of the CEO, you know, Hey, I care so much about my people, my team, all this stuff, but Hey, I, I just sat through this thing and yeah, what about me? I forgot about me, you know, which yep. is, yeah important because if you if if 
at least I believe that if, if you aren't comfortable in your own skin and, and everything else or whatever is going on inside you, how are you going to be the best person for your team, for your wife, your husband, uh, kids, everything like that? You know, it's almost like a selfish thing to take care of yourself first, or it sounds selfish, but if you're not in the right state, then you can't provide the best that you can for whoever that other person is. So gosh, yes. And you, you ask like, what is the approach that works? The approach that works is, is that we all look around at every single human. We're not, we're not looking for signs and symptoms of mental health crisis. We're looking for humanity. And when we see a fellow human, we know that they have mental health and we, we ask how they're doing. If we, if we actually care and have the, the ability to stay and listen. So that's the approach is to not assume that you're not struggling because you're the, the uh, top leader of, uh, or, or most put together human. I see another hu- human and I see you as a human. And I say, let's talk about your mental health. How you doing? And I might not say, how's your mental health? I probably say, <laughs> Hey, Jeremy, I, I see you. And I just want to hear how you, how are you, you know? And then we go from there. I just assume that you have some, something happening in your world versus assuming that you're all put together and don't need somebody to check on you. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, so, so to that point, I know there's, um, um, b- before we get to another initiative there, since, since your time, you know, of, of kind of starting this and kind of injecting yourself in the community in a different way. Are, are there any, um, are there, any, and I'm sure there's so many, but are there any specific stories that would be good to share as far as kind of the impact on the community that you've had that, you know, that you, I, I guess just kind of a, a big takeaway in that, in that sense. I'm going to share this first piece only for, for recognition. Like what, what this tells me is the, the need for our community and how long our communities have been waiting for something like this is the drastic increase in our social media following, uh, the views of the segments that we're offering, the engagements. So, so that piece of data right there, like I don't, uh, that's the biggest takeaway is I look at that data and the significant increases we're seeing that tells me the need is so, so, so necessary. The next parts of that are those examples. It's not just been one CEO. It's that's been the common experience when we've gone into organizations is that the leader is like, Oh, okay. And me too. Uh, That's been the common experience there. And then one, one thing that really stands out to me, a lot of people say like, I'm so tired of zoom. I'm so, so tired of technology. And the thing that keeps coming to back to me until we can be in person, which this all does translate in person, because thankfully we had a blip of time that we could practice that is this, is this one piece of feedback that we didn't ask for it. It came, it came kind of back to us indirectly. It was an individual that had participated in a be well experience. And they said something like this. I'll probably get the quote wrong. I didn't know that a one hour zoom experience could change my life. And it did. So I think it's like that, that I hang on to, of this isn't going to be for everybody and that's okay. Just like, just like exercise isn't the thing for everybody. And, and, you know, we're going to a gym isn't for everybody. Be well community and the philosophy isn't going to be for everyone. And if we get to change one life or we get to save one life or help someone feel more comfortable talking about mental health. And then hopefully what we're doing is, is getting folks acquainted with rural behavioral health. So when we are in crisis, we're at least one more option to turn to and trust when we, when we need care and deserve care. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, and to your point too, you know, it might not be for everybody, but at the same time, that one person that, you know, you are impacting and they're opening up and all that stuff, regardless if, if their best friend or their wife or whoever that, that other person might be, isn't, you know, open to something like that or might not be for them. They're still going to be an inherent kind of, or I would assume an inherent kind of trickle down effects from, you know, uh, yeah. that person and that circle and that business and whatever that, that setting is, you know, having their, their change, that different outlook will somehow impact the others in a positive way, whether that's talking about it more or how they're acting when they have these different feelings come up or anything like that. So it's to, yeah, so that's, so that's cool too, that it, it's kind of creating sort of that that um, ripple effect almost. Um, so, so now I want to get to, uh, obviously we talked about kind of the B-Ball community and all that, but you guys are doing a, a, a pretty awesome uh, kind of community initiative, which uh, is, is kind of a, a different way to get yourself and kind of raise that awareness um, within our specific community here in Springfield. Um, so I'll, l- l- let's talk about that a little bit. Let's do. So we're launching the Be Well community movement and we'll soon be revealing our Be Well bells that will live live within our communities. So what we did here, uh, Jeremy, a couple of things happened. CJ had this, this vision of having a symbol in the community that was accessible and relatable. And then our executive director of the foundation started at Burl and connected with Mental Health America. So in the 50s, Mental Health America, which is a leading organization across the nation, Mental Health America put out a call to all of the, what were historically known as insane asylums or psychiatric institutions that utilized a treatment, quote unquote, treatment measures such as shackles and chains. So Mental Health America reached out to these institutions and asked them to send in the shackles and chains to Mental Health America. And what they did was melted them down, melted the shackles and chains down into Mental Health America Bell. That bell signaling uh, hope for a better tomorrow in the way that we treat and prevent mental health. And so from that idea, we worked with Mental Health America saying, would you support us in the Be Well community at Burl uh, utilizing that story, adopting some variation of this bell to launch our Be Well community movement? And they were so thrilled. They were so thrilled that they're saying yes, and we'd love to see the data after it launches. So this is not the Mental Health America bell. It is inspired by the Mental Health America bell. So we've been partnering Uh, now with Paragon 360 to develop these bells uh, who are also invested in the health and wellness of their employees. So we're partnering with them to to create these bells that will live in our communities. And perhaps the coolest part of this, Jeremy, um, is that we are also partnering with local artists. So we've started this, the pilot is in Southwest Missouri. It will continue into Columbia, Central Region of Missouri and Northwest Arkansas, welcoming artists to submit their interest for this initiative initiative. Um, and also what we've learned, and I think I hoped this, but what we've learned is that these artists have such a beautiful way, more, more effective than I will ever be able to do as a psychologist to bring wellness to life in their own words and their own expertise and creations. And so our first three are, are complete in Springfield and those will be launched very, very, very soon. Yeah, I'll pause there and I want to say one more thing, but I'm going to pause there and see if that that covers it. Yeah, I think so. And, and I'm really glad that 
um, to that whole point that you explained the reason that it's a bell. Cause I think that's very, um, a very interesting and very kind of, you said, hopeful, inspiring kind of way, you know, that thought to take, to take those, those shackles and turn into kind of a bell to ring in new hope or, or whatnot yeah. like that. And I think and it's really, Oh, no, go ahead. No, and I think that is that is our hope. So, so not just to have these beautiful bells in the community, Jeremy, but but to be that symbol of hope, to ring in a new narrative mental health of mental health as we're launching the Be Well community and trying to make mental health cool and relatable and sustainable. So, not only will these bells be in the community thanks to these amazing artists who are invested in in talking about mental health and taking care of uh, their own communities, but when folks walk, so I can be walking and passing this bell and I don't have to tell anybody that I'm struggling, but there's going to be a code there that I can access that will get me connected to resources. So that could be in Southwest Missouri, or we will have national resources, the best of the best resources right there for folks. They don't have to say anything. They get to appear as though they're taking in this really rad uh, art artist bell creation. And they can also be like reaching out for help in that same moment. Yeah. And I think, I think it's really, cool how you've done that in kind of a unique way because like you said you know you're walking down the street and, and especially you know here in Springfield specifically kind of the sculpture walk has become a thing where there's different sculptures all around downtown and that kind of stuff so people are sort of accustomed to seeing these different things so now you're sort of incorporating kind of that art installation from afar that's what it looks like that's what it is but as you said kind of once you get closer once you read you know whatever's plaque or whatever's next to it that has that code maybe speaks a little bit about it 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 will i'm, I'm hoping and i'm sure you guys are hoping to it'll connect, too. It'll connect <laughs> the dot for that mental health health huh, mental yeah. wellness there we go um in a, in a different way rather than hey i need to google and do this but like no hey this is this art this artist did this because they feel passionate about this maybe you know maybe i do need to talk it, it just will create I, I feel like it's going to create different connections within their in their brain about you know what's going on and i yeah. think that different perspective um should hopefully kind of help the people that you know might be kind of on that fringe of uh, yeah. well, I, I don't know what to do you know and the versatility so it could be i mean it could be there are organizations that want theirs out visible in the community and we've had other organizations that want them in their place of business that way employees can take a look at their bell and also access those resources so i just love the flexibility and the versatility of how um, communities and businesses want to use their their bell which is technically being seen in my in my eyes as a mental health resource yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's awesome. I'm really, really excited for this to, um, or for that initiative to launch, which, you know, actually by the time this podcast is out, the bell should be out in our community, whether like you said, on a business or on a street or, or wherever that is. So definitely everybody be on the lookout for that. Do we get so, to share about t-shirts, Jeremy? Um, I'll, I'll let you do that. <laughs> okay so so then here is next level like when you do when you do good for the community i think there are good things that happen so what we what i hope that the what you all are looking for also are some pretty rad t-shirts with these bells this um the bells and the artists own quotes about mental health wellness we are launching t-shirts with this be well community movement too that way hopefully getting the message out in um again more creative diverse ways that might speak to to someone that the bell doesn't speak to and that the actual be well community of Burl behavioral health doesn't that t-shirt might just do the trick they're rad be on the lookout 
<laughs> and definitely, and, and kind of to her point, um, Illumin is is doing those shirts. I don't normally promote ourselves on on the podcast, so that's why I let you take the rings. But kind of the whole the whole point uh, that we definitely once I heard uh, heard, heard the, the story of the Be Well community and everything that you know there was kind of an opportunity to take these bells, which by themselves are impactful, but you might have limited people go buy them depending on where they're at, depending on the time of year, all that uh-huh. stuff. So yeah. this was sort of an opportunity to bring those bells to life. So, you know, people are wearing them down the street. And like she said, uh, you know, there's, or Shelly said, there's, you know, the artist quotes kind of what inspired them for the reason behind it. So it's almost another, uh, a, a kind of another sense of messaging to kind of bring that awareness for mental health. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see how that translates from the whole initiative to the bells to, to the shirts and the designs as well. So. Sorry to ask about that, Jeremy, but you all have just done it's just it's just simply awesome and i just want to express express my gratitude while i get to visit with you today. <laughs> well i appreciate that and like i said I'm, I'm i'm definitely excited for kind of all all of this to come to come together um and and you know hopefully make a, a awesome impact in our community and expand into other communities as well as, as you mentioned um with the kind of the initiative so um so so one question i always like to ask um, you know, my guest is, is, you know, one piece of advice for someone, you know, in your case, you know, obviously you found a kind of a, a passion for this subject in a, a you know, in your, your college years or whatnot. And you had many different experiences with that, your own practices, working with other um, clinics and, and whatnot. So I, I guess what would a, a piece of advice that you could offer for maybe, you know, you know, obviously you're doing these initiatives and stuff, that stuff, which, which help people kind of get outside of the box and, and, and kind of seek that help and learn about it. But somebody that, you know, might be a fringe, maybe it's somebody that's like, Oh no, yeah, just another program. My boss wants me to go to, or, you know, you know, kind of those, those ad- attitudes as far as like, Oh, not another seminar or whatnot. What, what would that piece of advice that you would have for someone that, you know, might be struggling with something, depression, anxiety, you know, whatever that might be, but they're afraid to, talk to anybody about it you know they're afraid to open up because it feels like you know maybe it makes them too vulnerable or or whatnot I guess what are those what is that advice and sort of those baby steps that they could take on a personal level I think number one know that it's all of us so what you're experiencing is is unique to you and all of us are struggling we do an experience in the be well community where we self-assess together and one of the most powerful pieces of that is that we see that we're not alone in our high ratings. And then we're surprised because we walk around with smiles on our face all the time. So I think number one is know that we all have a brain. We all have a body. We all have emotions. And so it's, uh, it is the expectation that, we, that, that we, get, we get this out. If we don't get this out, that's when we see mental health illness. And I think along these same lines is listen to your inner voice, value your inner voice, whatever language you put to that. Don't ignore it. Don't avoid it. Don't suppress it. That's again, where we, where we find those, uh, those, uh, and and sometimes it is genetic, of course. And there are times that the mental health illness is actually caused by ongoing um, avoidance of what it is that our inner voice is telling us. So likewise, like when you arrive to your life's mission, whatever that is for you and your gifts or whatever language you put to that, listen to that too. Value your voice, value your instinct, 
and go exploring. Like, literally, go exploring. Don't continue down this same path just because it's nice and safe and paved because everybody's been traveling that same path and they've been extending that same path and repaving that same path for years and years. Go exploring. Trust your instinct because that's where you're going to find freedom. That's where you're going to find hopefully success. And and what's going to happen regardless is that you are going to be true to who you are and share your gifts with the world. Like all of our gifts together is, is where it's at. And I think a lot of times we doubt that. We think, oh no, I need to keep that quiet. That's not a great idea. We don't know until we're able to share that with others that might have the rest, the, the, the other pieces um, to, that, to that puzzle. So I would hope that we value our inner voice. We go exploring, we push not only ourselves, but our society. And then we take the world with us to much better spaces and times and places because we need that. We need each of you out there in your, your truest potential. I love it. That was, that was well said. (laughs) That was, that was, that was a perfect way, perfect, perfect advice and kind of perfect way to sort of wrap up everything that we just spoke about. Um, so, so before we do that, where, where can people find you online, um, learn about different programs, like you said, social media, lives, all, all that good stuff. Where, where can they get involved? Um, and, and kind of, you know, if they're sort of ready to, you know, open up and, and, you know, kind of learn more. Love that. We can start with bewellcommunity.org. That's our website. That's going to get you as connected um, as possible. And that's, that's ongoing and in development. There's information about the bells and the opportunities to, to engage there. Burlcenter.com is always a solid. There's a link to us on burlcenter.com. So again, information about our ongoing traditional services that Burl has offered for so many years and will continue. Uh, so burlcenter.com is another option. And then on uh, many of the social media platforms, you search for Burl. Burl Behavioral Health. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. So any of those ways you are quickly able to access Burl, which can quickly connect you to the Be Well community. Awesome. Well, everyone definitely make sure you um, check them out. Like I said, get some invites or some invites, some insights and see what's going on and kind of the different programs that they offer. Um, you know, obviously it could be, you know, great benefit to yourself or someone else that you know as well. So definitely check them out. But, um, Shelly, thank you for being on the show today and kind of sharing your story and kind of the insight of something that, um, you know, as, as I mentioned a couple of times, you know, obviously it's, it's so important for us to kind of, you know, think of ourselves in that way and, and know, you know, that we do have mental health one way or the other. And I think it's sometimes it's, you know, unfortunately, uh, overlooked. So I, I appreciate you kind of sharing that story in the background and, uh, you know, and inspiring others in that way. Thank you, Jeremy. You are a gift. Thank you for having me on today. Thank you for helping us uh, bring mental health wellness to life in our beloved communities. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.